in this uh, chapter this morning. Uh, the main character at the very center of the chapter is, is Peter. He's flanked on either side by six other of the disciples on one side and John, who writes this gospel on the other side. It's like Peter is in the middle, flanked by two bookends, six of the disciples here and John here. By this time, Jesus has already been raised from the dead. He's already appeared at least to Mary Magdalene in the, in the garden. He's appeared to the 11 disciples without Thomas, 10 in other words, and he's appeared to the 11 with Thomas. John, who's writing this account, he has already been inside the empty tomb, as also has Peter. Peter, of course, had denied Jesus in the garden, uh, well, in, in the courtyard, just uh, before Jesus's crucifixion. Uh, and so there is something going on here by way of Jesus wanting to restore Peter, Jesus wanting to commission Peter, Jesus wanting Peter to know the uh, love that he is the Son of God has for him. In the story, in the first three verses here, the disciples have moved back to Galilee. This happened probably very soon after uh, Jesus had appeared to the eleven along with Thomas. There was no point much in staying in Jerusalem. For, for a start, they would be at more serious risk of the authorities, both the Roman authorities and the Jewish authorities uh, coming against them, coming to get them, coming perhaps even to have them thrown into prison or to have them sentenced to crucifixion as, as Jesus had been. So they, they moved from Jerusalem to Galilee. Also, Jesus had actually said to them that he would meet them in Galilee. And so they're in Galilee and they're near the lake. Peter probably gets impatient. He wouldn't have been probably the best at sitting around. And so he decides to do something. And the one thing that Peter knows how to do is to go fishing. So he decides that he will go fishing. And the others, the other six, decide to go with him. Now you'll recall that at the very beginning of the Gospels, Peter and some of the others had left their life of fishing in order to follow Jesus and in order to give themselves fully and wholly to serving him and to, to working alongside him. But Peter here decides to have a go at fishing again. Maybe he'd been thinking of returning to fishing full time, but for all his skill and all his experience and all his past as a fisherman, uh, he catches nothing. Any of you who've ever gone fishing know that there are occasions like that where the fish seem to be able to dodge the net and uh, you end up catching nothing. And it was one of those nights. It's, it was so easy for Peter and indeed it's so easy for us to go back to the thing that we're familiar with. The thing that we maybe knew once and were able to do really well once to go back to that but it's not necessarily 
the thing that God wants us to do next. And that's the first thought that I want to leave with us this morning. Because God in this story still has a plan for Peter. It's a plan that's going to stretch Peter. It's a plan that's going to take Peter uh, lots of different places. And it's a plan that ultimately is going to lead to Peter being um, persecuted and uh, put to death and even martyred. Had Jesus allowed Peter to have a disappointing night so that he would um, go back, so that he wouldn't uh, end up going back fishing, perhaps. Uh, It maybe was all part of the plan. But in the story, we arrive into the story now, and it's morning. The six, along with Peter, were probably cold and wet and hungry. And Jesus comes towards them. And he comes towards them with a lovely question. And he greets them, children, or in some translation, it's boys, do you have any fish? And they don't recognize that it's Jesus that's speaking to them. And to his question, they say, uh, no, that's their answer. He said to them in verse 6, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast the net now on the other side of the boat. And very quickly, it would seem, they're not able to haul in the great catch of fish that is theirs In a few moments, they had this incredible catch. They even take time to catch, to count the number of of fish. John recognizes that it's Jesus. Uh, I wonder, did his mind go back to when uh, they were first called? Did did, uh, Peter's mind go back to when he was first called uh, to follow Jesus and to forsake Jesus? the fishing. I wonder, did John's mind go back to that? But anyway, aware that it is now Jesus, Peter uh, makes his way to the shore. He covers his nakedness, and he makes his way to Jesus. And the other disciples drag the ship ashore. We read in verses 7 and 8, that disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciple came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. What follows is the disciples having a really special time with Jesus. A number of things happen here. Peter, who had denied Jesus, experiences the forgiveness of Jesus. He experiences the love of Jesus. He experiences what it is to be restored by Jesus. And indeed, his whole future life is given a whole new commission by Jesus for the purposes of God and for the purposes of building the church and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And the way that Jesus deals with Peter is very, very significant and very, very important. 
Jesus is very clear and direct with Peter. On the one hand, he's full of truth. But on the other hand, he's incredibly tender and incredibly gentle in the way that he deals with Peter because he, as we know, is also full of grace. On the shore, Jesus has actually prepared a fire of coals so that when Peter and the others would arrive on the shore, there would be a fire where they could warm themselves. They were probably cold and, and wet. They'd been fishing all night. It was uh, the early hours of the morning. It was still very early in the morning. They would have been tired. So uh, a fire would have been something that would have been very, very welcome. But on the other hand, that fire would have reminded Peter of the fire in the courtyard. It's incredibly clever or incredibly actually uh, full of the Holy Spirit's leading what Jesus does here in that in preparing this fire on the one hand, he's been incredibly loving and tender and gentle towards Peter and the others. But on the other hand, for Peter, it's a very stark reminder of the truth of how he had denied him before Jesus had been crucified. There's fish and bread on the fire. Jesus had cooked breakfast for these disciples. So again, he's been incredibly loving and tender and caring. In doing that, they would have been hungry. They'd been fishing all night. And here was fresh fish and bread, we're told, being prepared for them. Jesus had cooked breakfast himself for these tired and discouraged and weary fishermen. But again, the fish and bread would probably have reminded Peter and indeed the others of the occasion when with fish and bread, Jesus had fed 5,000 men and women and children in addition to that as well. So for Peter, there would have been a reminder here that the person in front of him really was the, the Christ, the, the Son of God, the one that he had walked with and talked with and spent time with for three years. And so it would have been another reminder of how he had failed Christ in that courtyard when he had denied him. There's a little aside here. We're told that even though it's the risen Jesus that's on the shore, even though this is a resurrection appearance of Jesus who'd been dead for three days, these fishermen take time to, catch, to, to count the fish. It's quite a, a strange thing that they actually do, but they take time to catch, and we're actually told the number of fish, 153. What a, an incredible breakfast it turns out to be, verses 12 and 14. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Jesus, time and time and time and time again, it would appear, reveals himself to the disciples. He's so, so patient with them. Friends, we can be so 
thankful for that because in life we too need his patience. We need his tender grace to restore us, to pick us up when we're discouraged and tired and cross and grumpy and all the other qualities that are not so honorable in your life and in my life as followers of Jesus Christ. But in the story, Jesus cooks breakfast. He prepares a fire. He's full of truth on the one hand and full of grace on the other hand. And he deals here then very, very directly with Peter's guilt and with Peter's conscience. But before going there, he had attended to Peter's physical need. He had met Peter's hunger, his need to be warmed at the fire before he gets down to the business of really challenging Peter and restoring Peter and recommissioning Peter. And Jesus isn't full of condemnation in front of the other six. That's not the reason for Jesus challenging Peter and asking Peter these questions in front of the other six. In front of the other six, Peter is about to be restored. In front of the other six, Peter is about to be commissioned. And forever they will know the commission and the calling that was placed on the shoulders of Peter by the risen Christ. Jesus is calling Peter to a big, big task. It's a mammoth task. We read in verse 15, when they'd finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus here uses the name that Peter had before he met Jesus, his own regenerate name. Peter had been pretty crude in the way that he had answered the questions in the, in the courtyard. He had he'd told lies. He'd used language that hadn't been honoring to God. He, his old nature had risen to the fore, as it were. And now Jesus calls Peter by his old name. It's just a, a direct truth that Peter's going to have to face, that he needs to be confronted with his failure. He needs to be confronted with how he had denied Jesus. You see, for you or for me to be fully used by Jesus, we've got to face our past. We've got to face our failures. We've got to face our sin. Not so that we kind of get stuck there, but that we get to be forgiven. That we get to repent and turn away from our sin. So that we can be completely cleansed and forgiven and restored. And given a wonderful commission by Jesus Christ. To be fully used by Christ, we've got to confront and deal with everything in our past. Peter has got to confront in these moments as well his own heart. Because do you love me more than these, more than the big catch of fish? Maybe. More than these, the other disciples? Whichever it is, he's to love Jesus first 
and foremost and most. That's the calling on my life and that's the calling on your life as well. We read in the verses that follow, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon was grieved. In other words, he's cut to the heart because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Once and for all, Peter is directed away from his career as a fisherman. He's not to go back to what he was familiar with, but he's to go forward into new and unfamiliar territory, shepherding the flock of God, looking after the people of God, the church of God. Jesus is clear, lambs need to be fed and sheep need to be led. And Peter's to do both. He's to lead them and he's to feed them. He's to nurture them and he's to care for them. Them being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the people of God. The third time the question is a very direct question. Do you personally love me? Do you, you, Peter, love me? Peter, in his conscience, is in a place where he's broken before Jesus and in the presence of the other six, he's in that place where he confronts his past, where he is restored by Jesus Christ, where he's commissioned to live his whole life under the shadow of the cross and for the glory of Jesus. Truly, truly, I say to you, When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Then he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. I felt at the very beginning of the service this morning, and I needed to change how I'd finish this wee talk this morning and leave you with the question that Jesus asked Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love Jesus? Do you really love Jesus? Because if you love him, really love him in the way Peter's asked this question, you will confront anything and everything in your yesterday that needs to be confronted. So that in your today, you will know his forgiveness, you will know his mercy, you will know his love, you will hear the truth that he died for you on the cross and 
rose again to justify you. You will be restored and commissioned to live the whole of your life, the rest of your life, and every part of your life and mine under the shadow of the cross and for the glory of the name of Jesus Christ. John, for his part, has a slightly different sort of future and path than Peter has, but he too will love Jesus to the very end. Do you love me, Jesus says? Do you love me? Feed and lead my people. That's his commission to his whole church in these days. That's very much his commission to this church in this day and in this hour as we move into a new season and into a new future together uh, in this new month of September with all that that brings. Feed my lambs, lead my sheep, and above all and out of all, love me. Love me. Love me. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, would you stir our hearts deeply to love you? To love you, Lord, from the very depths of our beings? To love you, Lord, out of a forgiven and a clean and a restored heart and life? To love you, Lord, under the shadow of the cross. To love you, Lord, as the risen Christ in the power of your resurrection. To love you, Lord Jesus, strengthened and renewed and refreshed and filled every day by your Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. May that be, Lord, the deep, deep response of each of our hearts and lives. For your name's sake. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to worship. Can the prayer team come to the front and be at the front, please, to, to pray with folks at the end who want to respond in any way who want prayer this morning for any need.
then went on to say this. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Lord, we are so grateful for your salvation that saves us and continues to renew us and restore us even when we get it wrong. Lord, may your spirit move in this place on our hearts through the course of this day. Lord, help us to jump out of the boat to find Jesus afresh, to be restored and to be renewed into the things that you have for us. Lord, we commit to the rest of this day into your hands and we ask you to bless us and to send us out restored in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a prayer ministry team already here at the front. Um, if something has particularly resonated with you through the, the things that David has shared, then please come and ask for prayer. If you would just like to have a moment with Jesus, then they would love to pray with you. Anytime. 